Perfect. All right. Well, Mike, appreciate you for coming on. You ready? I'm ready. It's probably a good thing we didn't have record prior to me hitting record because there'd be just a half hour bitching session. (laughs) That's all right. It's what that's what podcasts are for. But um, so you wanted to come on here and talk about Colorado and Washington and um, Washington and you live in California, correct? I'm in California. And so you know just as much as I do that Oregon seems to follow what Big Brother California likes to do in Washington, you know, is like our Siamese twins sometimes. And and it just – there's a lot to be concerned about right now. Um, But, you know, we have had some recent wins here. I think – which – was it Washington, the right to hunt state uh, law passed recently? Correct. So – Washington surprised us. A group of five senators introduced legislation um, that if it gets through the legislature in Washington, will go onto the ballot to become a constitutional amendment in Washington state, uh, basically codifying the right to hunt, fish, forage, um, which really, it was out of the blue. Like nobody, Hmm. none of the hunting orgs, the hunting community, the Second Amendment community, like nobody knew the, the fishing community, nobody knew this was coming out. And what's interesting about it is that, well, there's a lot of interesting. One of the things that stood out to me was that the the senators that did this are effectively acknowledging the mess that is going on in the commission right now. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing what I think a lot of us would say is a, is, is a commission that is ignoring its charter which is to maximize sustainable opportunity across all the big game species, you know, by, by cutting off spring bear, there's no, there's no scientific reason to cut off spring bear hunting. Um, There's lots of scientific reasons to have it. Um, And so I think that, I think these senators see what's happening at the commission level and, and want to put in a legal backstop to prevent a rogue commission from basically changing redefining hunting rights and conservation in washington so that was that was pleasant to see to see um i think there's a chance it makes it out of the senate into their assembly i I don't know if it's called if they call it assembly or house over there but um i think there's a chance it makes it out the the question for us as a hunting community is going to be if this thing gets on the ballot like we need it to win right yeah and that takes money Unfortunately, it takes I mean, a lot of money. You know, we're we're voting on all these issues. Look at Colorado, for example. You know, vote by mail. You know, decision making is just it's ruined Oregon's. Um, you know, politics for many, 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 many years. We've been a mail yeah. system voting, and and you know, Washington. I don't know how long they've been doing it, but they're doing the same stuff. And then I think Colorado is the same way, right? I don't know if Colorado is that way um, in terms of voter voting process. I know that the the ballot box biology issue yes. is is never is never good um, because biology is complicated. Biology right. is complicated. Hunting's complicated. Wildlife management's complicated. Um, you know, and so and that's one of the that's one of the things that actually with the Washington State right to hunt constitutional amendment it identifies that the that the legislative branch or the executive branch hold all the cards for deciding wildlife management decisions making wildlife management decisions they effectively remove ballot box biology as being an option for where wildlife management decisions could be made in washington as well and so besides providing the legal backstop for you know right to hunt sustainable populations um it puts and so the executive branch of course would be you know where they can appoint the commissioners they appoint the director of the of the department right and then legislative being where you know where laws are made and whatnot and so that's that's interesting there because i think they're anticipating that problem as well colorado the issue we have this year and i say we i'm in california like what do i care about colorado right what do i care about washington mm-hmm. Um, I care because the the anti-hunting industry is a national industry and they fundraise nationwide and they come into states where they see a, a point of weakness or an opportunity. They see some low-hanging fruit that they can chop at. And so that's what's going on in Colorado as well right now is with this ballot initiative. Um, 
where it's it's currently called Proposition 91. We don't know what the actual number will be once it goes into a ballot, but they're out there getting they're doing petition uh, signature gathering right now mm-hmm. to put on the ballot a um, it, effectively making it illegal to hunt mountain lions, bobcats, and lynx. Lynx are already illegal to hunt because they're protected, but bobcat and mountain lions um, in Colorado. So they're replacing what is effectively a good management tool, which is hunting. And it's a highly regulated hunt in Colorado. Um, different units have different quotas. It's highly regulated in terms of season, in terms of take, in terms of reporting. The data that they get from it's phenomenal. And so they want to eliminate hunting as a mechanism that feeds sustainable conservation and replace it with nothing. Hmm. But they're going to lead with a trophy hunting title or they're, you know, when, when Joe and Joanne public see the ballot initiative being promoted, they're going to be told this is a trophy hunting measure. And well, what's trophy hunting mean? It means whatever the anti-hunting industry right. has defined it as over the last 20 years. And so, um, you know, ballot box biology, it's expensive to fight. It can happen very quickly if it's a, if it's if it's voted on and it's almost impossible to repeal right so it's like the antithesis of good science it's the antithesis of good management practices um so yeah so Hal is very involved in these i i i think that we as a community no matter what state we're in no matter what animal we pursue right no matter what our method of take is we have to view all of these attacks as attacks on individuals and the community at large and we need to step we need to really throw in and 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 put our voices and it sometimes put our dollars into supporting right um a win for the hunting community in these areas well i i agree and and you know we i did a big study on um and and i still have a whole file on it because i was wanting to do a podcast on it about how did how did oregon in 1994 lose its ability to hound hunt, effectively mm-hmm. hound hunt in Oregon. Um, it was measure one, uh, measure 18. And um, it was a, you know, citizen sponsored ballot and it got mm-hmm. voted on. And it basically, you know, I, I was looking at all the statistics because ODFNW even did a, you know, it's our Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, even did their own study. Like, how the hell did this pass? And, uh, and they it's did a postmortem. A, yeah, a post-mortem. they did a post, yeah, postmortem. <laughs> and, um, and it's funny cause I, I, I actually was interviewing one of the folks that did the interview that many years ago. We have them okay. locally. And, um, and she's like, yeah, you know, did you read the report? I'm like, it, the report's like that thick. It's thick. And, you know, here's how many voters that voted to ban it thought that bears main meal was fish. Like there was like. Five percent of voters thought that mm-hmm. bear lived on fish because they thought ours were probably grizzlies and fed on salmon all the time. And it's just like, you know, like here, you know, like here's how many that think uh, we have grizzly bears and, and like that they're protecting grizzly bears. It is insane how uneducated the voters were, and then right. also um, hound hunters weren't super popular in the hunting community back then. The trappers weren't super popular, and there was still a lot of bickering and arguing between the rifle. Um, trapping and bow hunting and and um, so we even had sportsmen voting against yep. it. And in yep. uh, you know, united we stand, you know, divided we fall, and that's like yep. the perfect example of that. And now we're still dealing with it. And we had now we have like three and a half to four times the population of cougars we want in Oregon. We have over thirty three thousand bears in Oregon. It's it is insane what the populations have done, and um, that is because of you know, the ballot box biology topic yep. that you, that you brought up. And, yep. and I guess my question to be to you is, is how do we fix that? Like what, what is the solution there? Yeah. Um, I think the solution is, is multifold. Um, the long-term solution to me that insulates hunting as the best mechanism for wildlife success and conservation while also promoting hunting is to have your average non-hunter know enough about it to where when they get us when they see a slogan from hsus they can call bullshit they can say i don't like i know enough about hunting i know enough hunters 
Mm-hmm. I know enough about hunting. I know about enough about the the wildlife successes that have come from hunting being a, a mechanism in conservation that when I'm told hunters don't eat mountain lion, I can say, ah, I think you're lying to me. <laughs> like, 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 like I, I feel like you're lying to me. I feel like you, you know, humane society are telling me an untruth. Um, because right now a lot of non hunter, ultimately it's the non hunters that vote yay or nay on these ballot box initiatives. Nobody will bring a ballot box initiative to the people because it's expensive unless they feel like they've got hunt they've got that 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 core sentiment in favor of their their initiative and so we need those that group of people better educated Mm -hmm. the problem is that they're busy like we're all busy and if they don't hunt they're not going to pursue this information like we need to we need to present it in in a in a format starting from like as kids, like we need to start, we need to get the, 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 the information and the data, you know, one data point, like with Colorado, you know, you go to a non-hunter and say, Oh, stop mountain lions, stop trophy hunting mountain lions. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't like trophy hunting cause I've been told what it is. Right. And, you know, it's probably poaching, but I think I have an opinion. Oh, mountain lions. Oh, they must be, they must be struggling. They must be endangered. Well, the counterpoint is very simple. In the 60 years that mountain lions have been hunted as a big game animal in Colorado, they've gone from roughly 200 to anywhere between three and 5,000. Oh, they're not endangered. Wait, and they've been hunted the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's like we need to we need to somehow get these anecdotes and then the stories of hunters and then hunters knowing their community better or the community knowing the hunters better. We need all these things to happen. And the problem the problem right now is that we're dealing with an accumulated resistance to hunting that's been intentionally built up over the last 20 to 40 years. So we're not going to change it overnight. Like we're not, we're not going to change this overnight. It's going to take our own proactive campaign of putting our stories and putting the wildlife successes that hunting can drive into the public sphere more proactively over the next five, 10, 20 years. Um, but on the short term, I think what we, what we need to do as a community is whenever these issues come up, we all need to dive on it. Right. And, and speak out, you know, speak out against it, tell five, 10 people why we're speaking out against it. And then, and if we need to, we need to commit, you know, whatever a couple arrows costs or a box of box of shotgun shells or a box of ammo costs to, to throw in financially support because ultimately these initiatives have big budgets behind them coming when HSUS is pushing them mm-hmm. or any of the, any of these national orgs that are effectively anti hunters. Um, and really they're not just against hunters. They're against humans participate in the natural world. Like some of them, yeah, they don't want you, us to exist out in the wild. They want, yeah. they, they, they want to reclaim all that animal or all the uh, habitat for animals and, let them sing kumbaya and and but but reclaim when what what on what date was it that humans showed up and started like on the landscape like humans have always been right in a there's always been tension between humans and the wolf pack there's always been tension between humans and the bears there's always been tension you know humans have always been been you know harvesting prey prey species like we've been we've been managing wildlife and habitats since the beginning of time. Right. Um, they act like we're aliens. Um, and, and, and that, and they prey upon, they prey upon an urban and suburban mindset that doesn't go out and explore the woods very often. Unfortunately, I think you hit a really important topic there and and they're, and they're starting off in schools and, uh, you know, we see it right now. Um, and my wife is going to kill me for even covering this, but, you know, we, we see it right now with, with the LGBTQ stuff going on and, and that getting pushed in schools and getting shoved down our throats. And then you see all these students coming out being pro-Palestine or pro-this or pro-that, and they have no idea what real-world real consequences or what would life be even be like if you live there. You know, you have mm-hmm. uh, young gays or even just stupid gays coming out and supporting Palestine. Like, they'd throw you off a fucking roof 
if you live right. there. You realize right. that, right? There's an intellectual. There's like an intellectual disconnect right. on some. And of those so, things. when you're when you're dealing with that much ignorance um, and arrogance out there, um, how do we? I guess my question would be: Is how do we start in the schools? Because the the opposing, uh, I guess, views. Um, mainly mainly one side politically is pushing for this crap and they're way better at it they're they're just they're just succeeding where where um my train of thought isn't you know yeah. and i guess um i i can just call it for they're, what it is they're I'm very like, they're they're very smart um and they're and the other thing is they've been doing they've been just focusing on like the wildlife and 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 conservation hunting they they work the language like you've got anti-hunting groups that are now call, instead of calling themselves animal rights groups, they're calling themselves conservation groups. Right. They're basically trying to. They, they'll get a, a a press release out that says, you know, wildlife for all, which we know, like everything they come out for is against human engagement with animals right. in terms of hunting. And now, now wildlife for all, because they've done enough press releases, they call themselves a conservation group. Media starts to call them conservation. It's like you just you just have flipped 120 years a definition that's been in place for 120 years on its head right. like that, like, but they do it, they do it intentionally. So in Colorado, we know wolves were a recent release. Thank you. Thank you, Oregon for sharing. Yeah, your, no, we, uh, your, your, your depredation. We gave you some of those things and I've got mixed, I've even got mixed opinions on that, but uh, no, no, I, I do too. But like, so they, these wolves were released and we all know that, okay, there's 10 or 15 wolves, they're going to go out and slay tens of thousands of, 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 you know, prey species, ungulates right. and, and quite a few sheep and cattle. Right. We yeah. know this. Mm -hmm. So after the release was done, one of the, the sponsor orgs that is pro wolf at all costs, because that's the thing is they're pro wolf at all costs. They don't, there's no limit. There's no number of wolves that they say, okay, we're at the right spot for management. The pro wolf at all costs group went into the public schools and they started getting elementary school kids to name the wolves. Hmm. So, it, and it wasn't you 15 kids can name each wolf mm -hmm. one and the other 300,000 elementary school kids in, in Colorado can name a deer or an elk or a sheep or a cow. And then we can get reports on, oh, Susie, your sheep got killed last week by, <laughs> by Johnny's wolf. Right. No, it's like, and so at what point in time, one of these wolves is going to either show up dead or be taken out by because of depredation through all the legal mechanisms that are there mm -hmm. because the wolf has been killing, you know, slaughtering sheep and cattle, goats, etc. Um, all these kids are going to be heartbroken. So you're, 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 they're, they're intentionally developing the minds of these children to have an emotional to, bias. To, Really? With, with a massive emotional bias mm -hmm. and to then dislike and hold a grudge against Colorado Parks and Wildlife and against the rancher. Right. It's 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 wild. And so um, I was listening to a Huberman talk from December about like health issues. Um, but his guest, they were talking about social movements and they said, how do how do major social movements happen? You know, you teach the kids, and the naysayers will die. It takes twenty to thirty years, right? And so, and I, and and I, and I, so from my view, and this is one of the things that Howl, Howl is working on. You know, everybody knows Howl for the the action center, right? We'll get an action out. People can dive on it. Doesn't matter where they are. They can dive in, get their voice heard at the decision-making level for that issue, whether it be in Washington State, Oregon, right. Colorado. And it's been highly effective in, in a number of settings and a number of initiatives in the last two years. The other side of how that isn't as public yet because it's still being being built, but it's it's been in, in Charles and mine and John's mindset over the last year is, is developing messaging that talks to the non-hunting community. And, and developing messaging that calls out like, you know, the, 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 just like the social bias against hunters, HSUS lies about hunters all the time, going back to Colorado and anything that's bear related. Mm -hmm. Oh, they don't eat the meat. It's recreational. 
which you know they use the word recreational which which in technical terms it just means it's not commercial mm -hmm. like in washington state you have commercial fishing and you have recreational fishing right you have recreational bear hunts it just means you're not selling the meat it doesn't mean it's frivolous but right. they use words like that or and sport so, hunting or sport fishing yeah sport yeah sport hunting sport fishing it's not it means it's not commercial right um but they use those words and they they latch onto them and use them to communicate to the non-hunting community as though it's frivolous or it's it's reckless or it's you know not beneficial to conservation so there's this bias and then they lie they don't eat the meat um there's just there's so many um there's no conservation value I think. Oh, and then they'll say there's only three percent. Like only three, four, three, or, only four percent of hunters are Washingtonians or Oregonians hunt. Hmm. So therefore, it's appropriate to take this right away from them. It's appropriate to legislate this out of existence because only three or four percent do it. And I'm like, um, it's 2023, 2024. When did we start using? The, the small percentage of participants in a human activity as a basis to make it go away. <laughs> right. like, you just call yourself a minority, you'll get away with yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> you just you just you just you just identified yourself as a bigot. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they are. You know, and and, I, and so one of the things that, that yeah. you know Howell is working on is is both the proactive messaging about you know, the number of mountain lions during with regulated hunting in place over over 40, 50 years, like it's gone up, you know, the, the benefits of hunting, but also just the fact that hunting is a human is an intrinsically human activity. You know, you can't you go back through every culture since the beginning of time, there has been a hunter in the family, the clan, the tribe, the village, the community, there's been hunters in those groups, not everybody has hunted, right? But there's always been hunters and they've always been a part of the community and they've always provided a, a service and they've always provided um, a benefit. And so it's it's intrinsically natural. So for them to want to take away hunting, they're effectively attacking, going after what has been since the beginning of time, an intrinsically human activity. Um, and we need to start we need to start communicating in a way at some, you know, one of the levels we need to communicate is to the non-hunter to where that non-hunter, when they realize they're taking something of value away from people that they know, there's a little bit of an emotional tug or a little bit of a, a little mental friction where they're like, I don't want to be the person that's taking away simple human rights from people. Right. I think it, you know, and I, I am in the logging industry for my personal job, and, and um, so I, I see all of the word salads and all the all the things that you have to say, all the, you know, sustainable and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I've been able to kind of work that into my conversations with hunting, you know, like I'm into sustainable hunting, you know, like, well, what's that? You know, like, that's a great term. That's a sustainable hunting, Mike, because we have sustainable logging. We have a sustainable uh, sure. forestry training. You know, we have initiatives here in Oregon for logging. And so I've been stealing some of that stuff and then using it in the hunting industry. And it plugs and it plays perfectly. And it just seems like, for example, I had a, a coworker, um, uh, actually a friend of mine now, uh, but her and I didn't see... We didn't see anywhere, um, but yeah. instead of no, nope, there's no eye to eye. There's none. No, no. She's <laughs> she's about as far left as you could get, yeah. and and I'm and I'm pretty much you know near the middle, lean lean right, and um you know and I used to be way farther right, and I'm like okay, I you know I, I kind of see there's some of my there's there's wackos on there, all there, there's 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 <laughs> shitty people on both sides. Let's put it that sure. way. And so, um. For me, I'm I'm more of just like leave me alone, let me do my thing, kind of like a I don't know independent libertarian, I guess. But um, anyways, she's she's about as far left as you could get, and she she instead of combating her and just arguing with her and just having mm -hmm. a bad relationship, we developed this really good friendship where I'm like I you know I would call her and and I could have these conversations with her and I'm like listen, Mike, can you please on this subject here, could you explain to me how somebody could even think like this? Cause right. I know you do. Can you, can you right. explain you to me? To that, how do you, you get, get to there? this? Yeah. Cause I, I yeah. mentally can't even gymnastic my way there. Oh, well, if you look at it like this, this, and this and that, okay. 
if you okay so i see in in your fucked up world yeah that i could see how you got there and then well long story short she was very anti-hunting she didn't think that we eat it we eat bears or cougars or anything it was news to her and right, she didn't have any history or any facts or anything like that and i'm just like you know i'm showing her pictures of this and then i you know i had her and her daughter over and i took i, I cooked them you know an organic elk uh taco you know, and, yeah. and just using their verbiage and, you know, trying to extend that bridge. And she, she is now a hunting advocate and yeah. it took about a year and, yeah. and I didn't beat her over the head with it, but you know, she would ask, she, she would come to me and like, you know, they're, they're, they're saying this and that about bear hunting and trophy hunting. I'm like, listen, trophy hunting doesn't exist in, 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 in the United States. Really? It truly doesn't. Um, if you think trophy hunting is just going out, taking a picture, trophy hunting doesn't really exist hardly anywhere that I know of. Not legally, yeah. Not and, not the whack 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 it off and and leave it to rot. I mean, that's exactly that's, that's poaching worldwide, now. right? And 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 I'm like, you know, when somebody says trophy hunting, I I always ask them like, what are you talking about? What is trophy hunting? And well, right. I and they usually stumble over themselves and they can't tell. And usually it's like they kill something to take a picture of it and then they leave it. That might mm -hmm. be the definition if they can even come up with one. I'm like, well, that mm -hmm. is illegal. There is laws against that. I would personally have a problem with that. I would turn that person in or I'd, I'd, I'd get in a fight with that person if I caught them doing that yeah. or I'd call them out. And that's what the hunting community would do, would police its own. And so, again, what is trophy hunting? Because what your definition doesn't exist. And, right. um, and, and just, I don't know, just having good conversations with that, but more importantly, asking good questions for me has moved the ball more. So you just nailed something. Asking good questions is critical. Because if we're asking questions, we're not trying to stuff our beliefs down their throat. We're trying to get them to like pull forward why they think exactly. the way they do. And then it's like, okay, I see what you're saying. If that was what, if that's what it was, I would be with you. Like I would agree with you. But the word salad, like sustainability, like there's a reason that elk and whitetail and black bear and, and, and grizzlies and, and wolves, there's a reason so many animals, waterfowl, you know, waterfowl were endangered at one point in, in North America. There's a reason the whole method of conservation was created 100, 120 years ago is because so many animals were in crisis. So many species were about to go extinct. Um, people have, people think that hunters, like, the modern regulated legal hunter was responsible for that. And, and they don't know that actually modern regulated hunting where animals are managed in a program, that is, that has been what's brought all these animals back to abundance. And so I, yeah, if, if somebody's just going into the woods and killing everything they can see, right. Um, then that, that's a problem. Uh, that's not modern hunting. That's not regulated legal hunting. And so I view like hunting. Do you want something that's sustainable economically? Like what if what if it's sustainable ecologically, but it takes a ton of money from everybody that's not involved? Well, that doesn't work so well. But hunting economically, because we all pay in, it's economically sustainable, and it's also ecologically sustainable. So right. sustainable is a great word. Um, I think I think it's one of the most important words, and then also legal, regulated, purposeful, and and we eat it, right. <laughs> we consume it, right? But they're all the things that that they're all the things that when the anti-hunting industry says they're trophy hunting, for some reason everybody trusts what those orgs say. Like people just innately trust. Oh, HSUS is telling me this. Um, all all the good stuff that that is actually happening in in, in the you know, modern hunting and conservation is washed away because somebody says the word trophy hunting. Right. Um, I want to redefine trophy hunting. Like truly, unless it's poaching, trophy hunting means you're probably passing on animals, on younger, immature animals. Right. You're being selective. Selective hunting. Yeah. You're selective. Like, what do you want? Do you want hunters that are indiscriminate and just shoot whichever deer shows up? Right. Or do you want them to be selective? and purposeful oh now i'm being selective and purposeful and do you want them to go with for an an older male that is the least contributing to the overall resource and the herd at this point oh yeah like and i okay i'm only going to take one so i want the most meat off of it right. so again i want the older male 
so like there's a point i i it's a little delusional but you know five ten years from now i would like the average non-hunter to hear the word trophy hunting and know that we just described that it describes exactly what we just talked about it's selective you're probably passing on animals you're probably maybe you're buying tags and not even filling them because they don't meet your your goal right like it's it's the most ecologically and economically sustainable system so trophy hunters like get they get they get the they get the blue badge of support right. um but that's going to that's we're a long ways off from that but that's the, what you did with your friend there that was so opposed and the cool thing is is she was like steadfast in her opposition guess where she is now oh she's a pro yeah she's steadfast in her support <laughs> yes yes and, and she'll she'll say my friend garrett you know my friend garrett said this or taught me this and it's it's yeah and and, and, and that won't work with i don't think that'll work with most people because i showed her a willingness to understand and and to yeah. really truly dive into her mindset of of all sorts and she's from portland so you can imagine what she's thinking and um, imagine what she's fed. Like imagine the input she's yes, got to deal with. Like you yes. had to break through. You had to break through a whole. Well, I mean, she she thought BS. Joe Rogan was a radical elitist right wing conservative, and she'd listened to him and how she, many times? She, zero, right, zero. Exactly. And so it was just like well, I'm like, she's like, you listen to Joe Rogan? I'm like, yeah, you know, from here and there. She's like, isn't he like super right wing? I'm like, actually, no, he's a liberal. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's more liberal than, than than. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a Second Amendment liberal. I mean, that's right. That's what he is. I mean, he is all for all sorts of things that I don't agree with. But you know, like yeah. we agree on Second Amendment and we agree on hunting and and um, and he's got some <laughs> wild ass views on public land hunting that I'd like to talk to him about someday. But um, you know, it it, uh, it it's just interesting how people have these really strong, deep seated beliefs, but as soon as somebody confronts them on I'm like actually no that's not even right they're like oh well I didn't know that but they were yeah. dead set that that was right and they would vote that way and they would think that way and they would talk to their friends that way in their own little echo chambers and and it just seems to me like the more we can get out and have those conversations and yeah that's just one grain of sand on the beach I get it yeah but um being able to get get out and and she's she's a she's a vegan even so she'll mm -hmm. eat certain meat I believe or something like that but um you know her her and her daughter were willing to at least try, you know, organic meat and, and, you know, it was pretty cool. They did. So they, yeah, okay. I, I, I want to say, well, I actually, I, I, uh, I made her elk tacos and then I, I did cook, uh, trick, uh, chicken on the Traeger cause that was inside of her normal diet. So yeah. if she, you know, if she chickened out last second, I, I gave her right. a chicken taco, but, yeah. um, I think I want to say she, her and her daughter both really, really enjoyed the elk. Um, and then like after that. they ate one, I think they went back to chicken, but they did, they did truly like it. So, um, but my point is, is that there's, there's, we talked about this prior is there's 97% of people out there, give or take from the research I've done that eats meat. Right. And mm -hmm. then what percentage from your research hunts in the United States of America? I think it varies by state, but if you include angling, you know, may, maybe 20%, yeah. but more likely like, you know, between California, you know, literally it's like two percent. Yeah, you're in a yeah. you're in a minority there. You should be very powerful. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to we want to pull we want to pull that as much as we can. Um, we would like to be a protected class if we could. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that would save us a lot of. Hassle. So my my point being is is what do we, or how do we get the people that eat meat but don't hunt? Let's just say seven or eighty percent of people, eighty five. Um, my, my numbers on the internet, when I always Google how many people in the United States hunt, it's anywhere from like 10 to 14%, 15% mm -hmm. hunt. Let's just call it 10%, make it easy. Sure. So 97% sure. eat meat, 90% don't hunt. So that is a giant window of people yeah. that should be voting in our favor. Yeah. Um, because they are taking part in a, in a process of eating meat that I don't really, I'm not comfortable with. I don't like factory farming. I don't like seeing animals right. treated like that. I don't like yeah. industrial um, you know, slaughter. I just, it, it just really turns me off. It grosses me out. I haven't bought hamburger from the store in probably six, seven years. I, I, I eat yeah. ground elk meat only. I, I live off of my freezer. Um, I that's buy awesome. chicken from the store and that's about it. Cause I can't kill it yeah. myself. I live in the city. I don't have room for chickens. And, um, <laughs> but my, my point being is, is how do we like, yeah. E email blasts are great. 
and and they yeah. do they do move the needle on the legislative once something's got sure. too far down the process. But is there anything that we can do um, to 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 reach a better point of that ninety eight ninety seven percent of the people out there? Yeah, I think um, the email blaster when we as a as a hunting community are in are exercising our advocacy directly to decision makers and that's something that we we haven't been good at we're getting better at it and i think um you know how is part of that there's a lot of orgs that are part of that but that's advocacy is critical the other the part about getting the 90 percent that don't eat that don't hunt um engaged and and kind of have their minds sway to where they understand that hunting is on the hunting is on the entire meat spectrum i think is going to require just straight up communications and PR campaign and money. It's going to take money. Like, you know, in the, you know, Wisconsin cheese, California got milk. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a Super Bowl ad, like there's going to be a lot of, right. there, we just, we just have to decide as a community, do we value, do we value and acknowledge that, that there's a disconnect in the average non-hunter's mindset about what we do and how it contributes positively to individual and community health and wildlife health. Like, because it does, like it's good for us to get out in the woods. I think getting out in the woods 100%. and doing something difficult, mentally and physically difficult is one of the best things you can do for a human. Um, it's good for the critters cause we're paying into it and there's why it, it feeds wildlife success on all levels. So it's not a lie. Like it's all, it's all true, but we, it's like the best kept secret. Cause like your friend, like there's probably some aha moments along the way of learning. Oh, mm -hmm. it's not what I thought. Oh, it's not what I've been told. Oh, like, so there's all these aha moments that we, that we kind of hold close to the vest. Um, and I think it's just going to take us investing. And so it's money, but it's also just, it's also just a commit, like a mental commitment to getting these stories and anecdotes and, um, and data. So it could be about all the different ethnic communities in the U S that hunt and what their cultural heritage is. It could be about like the, like the, like the, the meat eaters journey from industrial farmed to regenerative to all natural wild game. Mm -hmm. Like, and what the nutritional, like what's that nutritional curve look like when you go from, from factory farmed, you know, chicken to elk, like right? What's the nutritional value look like, you know, regenerative being in the middle, it's probably healthier, but there's so many angles that we can come at with this. Um, but we need to start developing those communication, uh, tools and they need to be in literally like 15 and 30 second bites right. that people can see, have it challenge or break some kind of preconceived notion, you know, get a few people to click through on it and read deeper and learn more. And then also how do we get, how do we get, you know, fifth grade biology and sophomore year biology and freshman year in college biology to all include like an two hours on, right. On, on hunting as a as a proactive and positive mechanism in the conservation systems like that's like if we could get two hours literally in in every you know fifth grade biology class or, or you know segment and then again in high school and then in in you know in college and get more people just reading that page in the book that that demonstrates the positive impacts of hunting for wildlife that would be massive well, I mean, in, in that, luckily I had a, a good biology teacher and, and, um, you know, she wasn't a hunter, but she totally understood that hunting was part of just part of the way of life. And, um, but I, I do remember in, in school growing up, remembering about the, um, the keystone species and all that stuff. And, and, the, mm -hmm. you know, all the animals are connected. And if the keystone species goes down, we were taught that everything else is going to crash. Oh my gosh. You know, you can't have a keystone species go bye-bye and, and this animal will go bye-bye and then it'll be a mass extinction. Like that's what I was taught in school. And I remember that. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, man, like knowing that and then, you know, seeing all this property and, and I, I will have to admit like 
I, I believe the anti-hunting orgs and in, in, they're better at it than we are. They just they just do a better job. They have a better ground game. They have better propaganda. I remember they've been like, intentional. They've been intentional. They have been, and they united. Time. You know, Oregon yeah. hunters can't even agree on what broadhead to use. I mean, we can't even agree on what poundage is is acceptable or what arrow right. weight's acceptable or whatever. It's like we can't even get our shit together long enough to to come with a, with a national ad or something like that, you know, right, it's, right. it's really frustrating. It just seems like, you know, an anti hunter hates hunters, but yeah, a pro hunter also hates other hunters. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> It just, it, it just like, we, I feel like there's, there's just so many holes in this boat <laughs> that it's going to take more than one person just trying to plug it. And so, um, yeah, I, I, do you know who blood origins is? Oh yeah, yeah. So I, love I, it. I donate Robbie, to him. Yeah, there. Robbie's they're, a great guy. I doing great work. Yeah, and I and I donate a little bit to him every month, and I have been for probably two years. And um, I, I feel like we need more Robbies out there. We you know we need more. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna say we need more howls out there because it's nice to have a concerted one concerted effort that makes all the email blasts go to one spot. You know, like mm-hmm. if we have a bunch of little crumbs and nookies and crannies over here, it just seems like the message might get lost or diluted a little bit. But if we have one yeah. epicenter to go to. We can really make a big push, and I think, in my opinion, Hal's kind of become that. Um, I don't yeah. know if that's what you've seen, but it just seems like I know my organization in Oregon definitely loves Hal. Um, mm-hmm. We utilize you guys. We we appreciate it. Amy Amy's definitely an advocate of you guys, yeah. um, and I am as well. When I'm at the board meetings, I you know if somebody brings you guys up, I, I talk about you. You know, John is my has been my contact until I've okay. until Good. I met you, but. Good. Um, it just seems like you guys have moved the needle and you guys have done a good job, in my opinion. I think we've moved the needle. Um, now, the needle was – it was buried. Pretty it was, low. It was pretty low. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's easy to clear the bar when it's set low like that. But we, we have moved the needle um, and we're getting more and more support and more and more engagement. You know, we, we want – at the action center level, we want to be a resource for – the coalition that you've got there in Oregon with Amy Patrick, we want to be there, a, co- a resource for the coalition here in California. Right. Want to be a resource, for, but but it's not just for you guys. Like if you in Oregon have a need for people nationwide to dive in and and say something to your son, your electeds or your commission, that's the thing that the Action Center works what works so well for. And so we're continuing to 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 make strides with that. I think the part about the the hunting is human part. Mm-hmm. Um, is is one of the ne- is the other chapter or the next? It's the other side of the coin for Hal, um, which will be more nuanced, and that's where we're gonna play the long game. Is is start getting, you know, whether it's placement, you know, social media ads that pop up. It wouldn't pop up on your radar because they're gonna be targeted towards non hunters, right? Um, whether it's social media ads, pop ups, or a billboard, you know, I think. 15 to 20 metropolitan areas in the U.S. should have three to five billboards coming in and out of town that talk about the different faces of hunters, mm-hmm. the different types of hunting. You know, it's not all deer. You know, things that th- put images and, you know, 15, 30-second stories that show we're hunting bear, we're eating mountain lion. Right. Div- racial, ethnic, cultural diversity, male, men and women – you know, some of it, some of its families, some of its individuals, like just put up information that breaks the stereotypes down to where people that live in an urban environment start getting visual messaging that's positive about hunting and hunters and wildlife benefiting. And that stuff's going to cost a lot of money. But I think I think we have the ability to blow some minds and and, and win some hearts over time by doing that. Um, My, my fear is that eventually, you know, first of all, this shouldn't even be in the ballot. You know, these, these, you know, we, we pay biologists through state tax money mm -hmm, or whatever. mm -hmm. And then we, our commissions go on and just completely ignore them. And, and it just, it, it seems like we're, we're playing, we're playing the game that they want us to play because they think they've got more money and they're more organized and they're mm-hmm. already way better at the game than us. Is it possible for us to go back to biologists um, mm-hmm. making the decisions and, and getting these activists out of these commissions? Because it really, best case scenario for me, Mike, is you guys work yourselves out of a job. You know, you yeah. guys don't have to be Howl anymore. Yep. You guys can just go out and just be 
hunters. Just hunt. Yeah, just, just hunt. hunt. You know, like take, take the victory lap and go hunt. Exactly. How do we? Is there That's, is there any strategy for getting back to the commission level to where we listen to our biologists that we pay money for? Yeah. And again, that's that's getting the non-hunter mindset turned towards us, and then we start getting like the right to hunt and fish, sustainable hunt, fish, and forage, which has been this petition or the uh, legislation in Washington. Start getting that to where every state has a constitutional amendment mm-hmm. that protects that. I would what I view in California is you know by 2030, can California have this constitutional amendment that pushes all wildlife management decisions to the commission? Now, the commission can still be screwed up, right? Mm-hmm. But the commission, at least, it takes longer for things to happen. The commission has a charter. They're generally going to listen to the, the department more. If you can get these constitutional amendments in place, but that requires the, the non-hunting voter to support it at mm-hmm. the time of the vote, you get those in place. And the, the, the bar that the anti-hunters have to clear to degrade conservation and hunting as part of wildlife management is much higher. And so I a hundred percent agree. And I, I would love to see all decisions about wildlife management pushed back to the commission using the department. Like right. you, w- these departments have hundreds of millions of dollars in their budgets as they should, right? We want, we want biologists that are studying the deer herds in California. We want right. biologists that are studying the mountain lions in, in Colorado. We want we want those people there. We want them to be good. We want them to be smart and informed um, and make good scientific decisions. And so if we can get it to where in every state, the commission makes their decisions based on department data and you know sustainability and opportunity, you know, unregulated opportunity is not good because we, 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 we may over harvest. Right. Um, so they have to be in balance. Like we, we need, we want them in balance. You were talking about something before the, before we start recording about Oregon, where you've got some, you've got some mechanisms to hunt now available to you that are not regulated well enough. And, and there could be over harvest. And so we right. don't want that over harvest, but we've got to get the non-hunter mindset to support the constitutional amendments that push these decisions back into the commission and the department structure where, where it was for so long and it worked. And then we've we've significantly won in terms of insulating ourselves, insulating the system from attack. Because it's not just I'm not being attacked. Like the system that works so well is what's being attacked. And we need that system in place for the next hundred years. Right. Well, my my problem with it is is that, you know, you for Oregon, since I've been alive, I don't think we've had a Republican um, uh, governor. Um, it it might be maybe when I was born or just before I was born. Um, but long story short, you have rules where the governor can pick the commission board, and you're mm-hmm. never going, you're always going to get a biased or anti-hunting commission board. I mean, unless something changes, I'm gonna blow your mind. I'm Let's gonna blow it. your mind right now. Blow it, Governor Newsom, California. Mm-hmm. He has seated. I think he's seated three or four of the five commissioners now. Okay. They are all pro opportunity. Like the one he, the commissioner, he just, and, and so as a Californian, like this is like a parallel universe. Yeah, that doesn't there's seem so real. Much, <laughs> so much about Newsom that I, you know, just from a political viewpoint, economic management of the state, there's so many things I'm like, ah, oh, it's crazy. Um, he just appointed a new commissioner who owns a shooting and hunting club. He owns like a private hunting club he's in the it's it's a it's a shooting club that's wild and and and, and a hunting ranch like it's 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 amazing um this guy's gonna be very solid unless he's you know i don't know i mean just it's so not what's happening in in oregon and washington that here in california we've got we have a commission that is solidly about sustainable opportunity. Like if there's critters on them, um, fishing's got a different story, but we also have a lot of, you know, struggle around salmon, steelhead and sturgeon. Do you think with the Uh commission board being the way it is currently then that you'll get cougar hunting back? No. And that's the other problem is that the decisions that were made that took mountain lion hunting, that took running bears, uh, uh, took, 
the current Bobcat Hunaway, all of those things were, all of those decisions were made at the legislative level or the ballot box. Mm. And so that's where ballot box biology is very hard to overturn. Legislative decisions that deal with, with wildlife management are very hard to overturn. The commission structure is flawed as it is can ebb and flow. It ebbs and flows much slower, but also if they decide that, that they got it wrong or the data for whatever reason starts to go the other direction and they need to course correct, they can. Like the commission structure is far more flexible um, and nimble in terms of moving with data than any of these legislative and uh, ballot box initiatives are. Which is why I think that we've got to get now some states have a commission structure that is, you know, some states say, you know, somebody from this side of the state, somebody from that side of the state, somebody that's independent, like there's all these different like mm -hmm. boxes that have to be checked. Those, those seem like they could be better, um, but they can also be flawed. You know, somebody could be put in from just because they're on this side of the state doesn't mean they're pro hunting. They might be more, they might be more, you know, like in Washington, you know, or Oregon, if you're from the eastern side of the state, maybe you're pro, pro outdoor recreation, hunting, et cetera, than if you're from the west side of the state. But there can be manipulation there too. Right. It just seems like it's like in that that case that you brought up is I didn't know about that. That's a, that's awesome. It's an outlier, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Know, that that that's pretty freaking. I've, that's the first time I've ever heard that happening. But um, it just seems like you know you get the Lorna Smiths on the on the washington commissions and, and it's like how in the hell is he, she even allowed to have an opinion how did she even yeah. get there yeah. and that for me is like it just makes me so cynical it's like she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about i've heard her talk and then yep i heard um i i follow uh ross sharp from um the crazy crazy elk or mm -hmm. um something company a great guy um very active and um he I, I watched the video that he posted at the commission's meeting and then one of the, like the people that I imagine is on the commission. It was a guy. He's like, you know, these other organizations, I'm guessing HSS or HSUS or whatever they call themselves. And all these, like, you know, they bring biologists in here and then they talk about all this other stuff. And he's like, why haven't you guys brought a biologist in here? And I'm like, no one said anything. And immediately I'm like, that's what our fucking tax dollars are for asshole. We, we, we have a hundred <laughs> right? biologists. Yes. Right I'm like, there. they're right, right there. there. Yeah. And it's they're like, really dude, smart. I just and wish I was good. in that meeting for that. I'm like, I, yeah, I just was like, dude, it's nuts. what the fuck are you talking about? We have tax funded, right? Like you're right. ignoring them, and and it just it just seems like a big game to me. And so, it, like, so I, I think the answer, like with Washington, the answer again goes back to the non hunt, the middle non hunt, the the non hunting public, because at at the end of the day, the senators that confirm those commissioners are electeds, and they care what the votes say the governor is a politician right he wants the, the governor wants to get elected so no matter how you know dyed in the wool they are as an anti-hunter or whatever they're gonna swing the way the wind is blowing and if the wind from the non-hunter 60 70 percent middle majority is favorable towards hunting those right. electeds are not going to let this bs happen at the commission level right and Makes so sense. I think, you know, we, we have a situation in Washington and in Colorado where the governor is fairly anti-hunting and it's, it's politically favorable for them to, to have that stance. So we need to change the way that wind blows. Just, I mean, even if it just goes from being anti-hunting to neutral like it, it will be right. a dramatic change we need to neutralize that win that gives them the the that emboldens the politicians to be so blatantly um corrupt anti-hunting you know whatever you want to say biased i mean even if just all the commissioners could just be non-biased just here's your charter right make decisions that are based on data um use the department as as your resource for, for for data and then go for it like that's just if they could just be objective but clearly what's happening in washington um it's not objective i mean they no. came in they, she came in with she came in with bias because a governor 
planted her there and and the and the senate either didn't know didn't care or um was was supportive of it and that's where we we've got to shift that wind right um by talking to the the non-hunting public what is the um and we'll wrap this up here shortly mike but what is mm-hmm. the what is the main push for hush or uh, for hal right now what is the main thing that you guys are fighting or trying to get the word out about right now um we're putting a lot of we're putting a lot of effort to support what's going on in Colorado, mm-hmm. um, and and support by support I mean helping CRWM Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management get the build grassroots communications and engagement with the hunting community to get the hunting community to turn out to then support them financially or with grassroots effort in Colorado to steer this ballot initiative to a loss because i think um we've seen it before where the proponents of this ballot box initiative which would remove mountain lion hunting and bobcat hunting and trapping they've inserted language into their the 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 statutory language in the initiative defines trophy hunting as any pursuit, stalking, intentional killing, like it's hunting. Mm -hmm. I stalk, I pursue, I shoot at intentionally to kill. Mm -hmm. Like they took the definition of hunting and they're saying that that's what trophy hunting is. And it'll be the first time in North American history that trophy hunting has a statutory definition. And ironically, it's the same as hunting. Right. And so like, and so they're going to, if they win that there, not only do I kind of say we're all past, present or future Colorado hunters. Like I have points in Colorado. Mm-hmm. I would love to hunt mule deer there. I would love to hunt elk there at some point. Like we're all hunters in Colorado at some point in our lives. Like we all aspire to it. So at the end of the day, we need to do this to put a blockade on this issue and this attack against hunting as a management tool and as part of as a, as the number one mechanism that supports conservation, we need to block this in Colorado. Um, so we're putting a lot of effort there. And then the other side of the deal where we're focusing a lot of effort and looking at how to start spinning up ads in the non-hunting community is in Washington. Um, getting messaging out into you know, the, the, the Seattle Bellevue, Tacoma area, Mm -hmm. um, PDX isn't too far behind, (laughs) you know, Portland's not too far behind. Oh yeah. No, they're right there. But, but this is, those, those are gonna be like the testing grounds for like, what can we put out into these urban centers that are clearly not helping us, um, with some messaging that breaks the stereotypes that, the HSUSs use against us and, um, and start to start to wear down that anti-hunting messaging some and start to see if we can start swinging some, some public sentiment our way. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully you guys keep, you know, priming that pump and, and feel free to tag me on anything that you guys want to get the word out about. And, and, um, I really, Mike, appreciate the work that you and John and all you guys are doing over there at Hal. I think you guys are doing a great job. I've seen it firsthand. And, cool. um, and I appreciate you guys for working with our organization, Oregon Hunters Association, yeah. um, to, to help us out. Coal, you have a great coalition there. Um, it's, it's so good to have at the state level, people that are staying informed and active and engaged. Um, it's, it's powerful because it's often not that it's often not that way. Right. So I'm glad that you guys have that going and it's great to hear that you're a part of it too. Yeah. Well, we're, we're trying, I'm going to try and make sure that we're um, doing more, but, uh, you know, I, 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 we, I always was, my mom always told me, he's like, you know, if you're just complaining about a problem without the solution or trying to work towards a solution, you're just bitching about it. And I'm like, and so, I was we, talking we do to somebody. a lot of that as a community. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> somebody called me out on, on, you know, like, you know, you like to talk about this, but what are you doing? I'm like, you're right. You know? And so a couple of years ago I got involved and good. Know, yeah. So you're probably, you're probably more informed because of it. You probably, I am, but some, I, of, some of it's information you'd rather, you, you probably wish you didn't have. Oh man. <laughs> well, and, and it's surprising how much information I bring that people are like, wait, what, what's that? And I, I even brought, yeah. I think, um, 
IP3 or I think it was IP3. And I don't know if you know anything about IP3. It's a giant pile of shit. And I brought that to the attention and no one knew about it. Because I had a, I had two listeners of the podcast that live in Oregon. And they're like, what do you, uh, have you heard about this? I'm like, I haven't even heard about that. And so I, I texted my um, one of my buddies who's a politician and, and uh, I'm like, is this real? He's like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. And it's coming up for vote soon. And um, is it, is it? Next, is it 2025? It or was, like, uh, well, they, IP3, they're going to get that on the ballot. Yeah, IP3 failed the way it was, and we, we defeated it. Um, but it's coming back, and they're they're calling it and redressing it, repackaging it as something else. But basically, they don't want you to even have your dog on a leash. They don't want you artificially inseminating a, a farm animal or any, any husbandry, whatever. They don't want you eating meat. They don't want you... They don't want you doing anything to an animal, a living object. They nothing. Um, they want you eating pecans and walnuts and and living a great life. So, but but to yeah. eat pecans and walnuts, I have to kill all <laughs> the insects and the squirrels that live in the orchard. We won't. Hey, we, now you're getting into facts. We don't. We don't get into common sense over here. So. <laughs> it's just it's just incredible how something like one bill picked on the ranching, the farming, and the hunting and the fishing community all at once. Like it hit everybody, and so everybody is like, holy crap, and. And luckily, the word got out about it. But it was like, how many people didn't didn't know about this two months prior to voting? It was insane. Our, I, I think it's a it's a real test. Um, it's a it's it's almost like a it's almost like a prank. Like how stupid, <laughs> how, how dumb, right? Or how you know, or how lazy, how how intellectually lazy are the voters to not read behind the headline and actually see right. what they're voting on? Because well, yeah. I can't imagine I can't imagine any. Even, I just can't imagine anybody that's, you know, of sound intellect, no matter what their dietary yeah. choices are or how they feel about animals, et cetera. I can't imagine how anybody with, with a, a, a balanced intellect would say yes to that. And I also can't imagine how the food and ag industry in, in Oregon would, right. would, would ever allow this to get out of the game. Ridiculous. Well, it's the same way that um, you know we we decriminalized drugs um, two three years ago, measured mm-hmm. like I think one ten, and mm-hmm. um, you know shrooms and all this other stuff, and and it was sold because I I even voted. I'll I'll be open. I voted for it because it, I thought it was something it wasn't. Yeah. Um, the way that I was voted, what the way that I was sold um, on one ten was like we can treat our. Um, using psilocybin and, and, and other um, psychedelics, you can actually treat mm-hmm. PTSD for soldiers. And there's a lot of really good things that we can do with psilocybin and stuff like that to help our veterans out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I 100% agree. I mean, I've listened to tons of podcasts on that. I've talked to veterans. Um, I've got buddies that are veterans that have done things and it helped them out with it. I'm like, dude, yeah, we need to pass that. And then after I passed it, I was like, wait, what? That's what it was? Like we decriminalized like everything, yeah. Oh my, right. good God! It was not what me or anybody else I thought. Like we all thought yeah. it was something else, and yeah. and even when you read the description, it didn't make it clear and obvious to me. Anyways, um, if memory serves me, I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm voting to de- decriminalize all the drugs in Oregon. Yeah, that's retarded. So we're still dealing with that. Our our everything's gone through the roof. Crime, you know, suicide, right. like deaths, everything. It's just yeah. like. Jesus, but that's the problem. Is is that's a whole other problem. We need to label these these bills and these initiatives to reflect what they really are. Not right. you know, not label them. You know, um, don't let kids die. Bill, you know, like right. well, what the heck's that? Yeah. Well, and the ads that then promote them, I think, should be held to some degree of accountability. They should that be. it's actually they're actually advertising what's in the what's in the legislation one hundred percent because they frequently don't. Right, um, it's misleading, and there's, and there's no accountability there. Yeah, because I never would have voted to decriminalize meth. You know, like wow, I did that. I have that on my voting record now. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, anyways, Mike, well, I do yeah. appreciate it, man. And um, yeah, if you want to come back on here anytime, you just get cool. a hold of me. And yeah, if you need to, if you need to, you know, put the flag up, you know, don't don't yeah. be afraid to get a hold of me. Well, may uh, may want to cycle back. Um, you know, spring, early summer with an update on and because I think, you know, Washington's exciting. There's always new and 
shocking things coming out of the commission there. Right. Um, it'd be interesting to see how things are evolving up that way. Obviously, Colorado is going to be like, you know, it's going to go into overtime in November, and we've got yeah. four quarters. We're we're just in the first quarter now. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting to track, and um, I think all all eyes will be there on it, and then a lot of support will be there too. So yeah, we'll have some things to talk about. I appreciate the time, and thank you for for having me on. Yeah, appreciate it. Right on. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hopefully you hung around long enough to listen to this. Um, If you guys are wondering, yes, I don't upload near as much as I used to. Um, I've said a lot on this podcast. I've covered a lot on this podcast, and I just don't want to keep beating a dead horse with arrows and FOCs and all this crap. That really is not going to help you be more successful most of the time, in my opinion. Those are just a small piece of the puzzle. Um, So I'm going to upload when I have something really exciting that I have that I want to talk about or something heavy on my heart or something that I'm passionate about or if I have a guest that's reached out to me and it has something they're passionate about that I want to help share, I'll upload and I'll record. Um, the main reason I'm, I'm recording this right now for you guys talking to you is I want your ideas. If you guys have a subject or a topic you want me to cover, you need to get a hold of me on Instagram or email me at GarrettWeaverHunts at gmail.com and I will try my best to knock those out for you as soon as I can because uh, outside of that, I've already said my piece in about 140 episodes and I want to record something either when it's going to be entertaining or when it's going to be beneficial to my audience and I feel like I've covered a lot so you guys tell me what you want to hear about or who you want me to have on or what you guys want to learn about and I am excited and happy to record on those topics or those areas for you so and hopefully I can learn along the way as well so appreciate you guys for hanging with me through the through the I think it's been four or five five years now that I've been recording this podcast and um, I really appreciate the all, all the all the support all the great reviews and um, I hope that you guys continue listening as I upload but again please reach out with ideas or topics some of you already do but I need more so anyways hope you guys are doing great good luck during the draw season this year and I hope you guys have a great rest of the day